dive in. One of, one of the priorities that we have as a charismatic church or as charismatic Christians is pursuit of God's presence. You know, we talk about it a lot. I'm pretty sure that intuitively we, we, we all know that it's vital. And I don't want it to just to be platitudes, if you know what I mean. But the hope is that, that it'll be a lot more real and a lot more tangible than that. You know what, there's something inside of everyone that is searching, dare I say, longing for more of God. I suspect that's why every single one of you is here tonight. David expressed it like this, Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing. This is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Prophet Isaiah wrote, Isaiah 55, 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And Jesus made a deeply significant promise. Matthew 7, verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And to him, um, for everyone who asks, he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And as I read that, I think the question that jumps out is, is what's behind the door? When I seek him, what am I going to find? What am I going to see when I gaze into his face? And the answer is, I'll let you know when I get there. But I know I'm not going to be disappointed. I know it will be beautiful. I know it will be powerful. I know that, that when I'm in that place, I will be changed. Probably changed forever. Just two really quick thoughts to introduce a series which is going to run through refreshing, I think, the whole of this year. Two thoughts. The first one is... There is untold, untapped, unlimited treasure to be found in the presence of God. And the second one is to become who we need to be and to do what we know we need to do. We are going to need encounters in the presence of God. Look at those two briefly. The first one. The presence of God is like a treasure chest. And inside we will find the fullness of all Jesus is and all he has for us. And of course, as we know, praise and worship is the gateway into his manifest presence. In which case, I reckon that that worship becomes like a treasure hunt. How deep can I go? Can I find in there what I know that I know that I need? Is there perhaps a key that opens my door? Is there a trigger to catalyze my miracle? Can I hang out with the Lord long enough 
that his character rubs, starts to or increasingly rubs off on me. Number one, in his presence is untold, unlimited, untapped treasure. The second one, you know, in Scripture we find numerous examples of life-changing divine encounters. I think of Moses at the burning bush. Think of Gideon's commission, if you remember that story. Think about Isaiah's vision of the Lord high and exalted in his temple. Think of Saul of Tarsus's conversion. And encounters in encounters like those, God did deep and powerful business with the heart of man. He showed them something, or perhaps he corrected something and thus redirected the course of their lives. Something changed so radically inside of them that the destiny of a whole generation was changed. Let me ask, have you ever had an encounter like that? If you're honest, do you need one? Or are you brave enough to ask for one? It's a great song by Catherine Scott called Everything Changes. The words go like this. When you come, everything changes. When you speak, even the darkness hides. When you step into our frailty, Jesus, you restore every broken life and everything changes. Now, I have nine headings for nine refreshings in 2023. There might be 10 refreshings, so I might have to, you know, think of another one. And the inspiration from this list is, it is the prophet Isaiah's vision in Isaiah chapter 6. And the plan this evening is to, is to read that account of Isaiah's encounter I'll give you my list of nine, and then we're going to spend 15, 20 minutes looking at just the first one, uh, which I'm hoping will lead then into another time of, of worship, reflection, response, ministry at the end. So let's read the passage. I suspect you're familiar with it. It's Isaiah chapter 6, eight verses. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, I saw the Lord, seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory." At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, Isaiah. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongue, with tongue, tongs, not tongues, with tongs, don't do that, from the altar. 
With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Verse eight, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. I love that passage. There's so much in there. You might remember Emily preached on it from that passage in the summer. But anyway, as promised, nine headings. And these are nine pieces of treasure available in his presence. These are nine things that you might get from or experience in an encounter with the Lord. So here's my list. Really quickly, the list is realignment, repentance, refining, restoration, refilling, recommissioning, revelation, rest, and refreshing. Now that list is every preacher's dream. Because not only do all nine words begin with the letter R, they belong, begin with the letter R. John wants to burst into spontaneous applause. Thank you. But you know what? You can see most of those, certainly the first six, you can see them jump straight out of Isaiah chapter 6. As I promised, we'll just do one this time, then we'll work our way through the others as we um, hold our refreshings through the years. So the first one is worship is, the presence of God is the place of realignment. Realignment is the idea that everything gets put back in its proper order. I don't know about you, but what I've noticed is in time, things start to get shuffled. Things shift, or perhaps they drift, or perhaps they even get contorted. We find that the, the urgent becomes important because it shouts the loudest. Our, our selfish ambitions or, or our, our desire for comfort kind of wiggles its way and sneaks to the front of the queue. Anyone else notice that? Our, our theoretical theology fails to line up with our practical theology. By that I mean that, that what we actually do in reality starts to drift away from what we say we believe. And in my list of nine, realignment comes first because without that, you probably won't get the other eight. And also, do you know what? It feels, it feels a really apt topic for January the 1st. Can we start the new year with everything pointing in the right direction? And the aim is at the end to, to give you the chance to spend some time talking to the Lord about that. Again, the premise is things over time, they start to shift and they start to drift. Every now and again, we need a good realignment. Now, I've talked about realignment many times. Realignment is the idea that God belongs on the throne. Can I have an amen? And do you know what? We are so much better off 
if we slide off and allow him to take his rightful place in the hot seat. Do you know what? To do that can be slightly painful. But you know what? Trust me, it also can be a great relief. It's a picture that I often paint, and, and this is as, as Galileo and Copernicus shockingly claimed, just as, as the earth rolls around the sun rather than the other way around. So the spiritual universe works so much better if it is properly aligned, i.e. God seated upon the throne, as we sing Jesus firmly at the centre. And realignment means, means that we are following him. It means we are serving him. We are obeying him rather than, than trying to twist it the other way around. And I'll say this, wonderful things happen when we put God in his proper place on the throne of our lives. Actually, when we put God in, in his proper and rightful place in our family lives and in our church life, in our business life, anywhere. Wonderful things happen when God is seated upon that throne and we have sidled off. So with this being January the 1st, I've, I've got some questions for you. And the questions go something like this. What needs realigning in my life? I, I put it like this. What needs to change? Maybe just a little bit. Maybe it just needs a tweak. Maybe it needs a bit of a read rep. What needs to change if 2023 is going to be different to 2022? What one needs to be pointed in a slightly different direction if I'm finally going to see that breakthrough. If I'm finally going to fulfill those dreams or harvest that sweet fruit. What needs realigning? You know, and I thought about that, uh, you know, and there were many, many, many things that I could have chosen to talk about, but, but I kind of reluctantly managed to narrow it down to three which I'm going to work my way through now. What question is, what needs realigning? And the first one is identity. Your identity is about how you see yourself. And I suppose the question is, does how you see yourself need a little bit of a tweak, a little bit of realigning? You know what I reckon? This is the essence of Isaiah's revelation. See, once he had seen God as he truly is, then and only then was he able to see himself as he truly was. Verse 1, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw the glory of and the majesty of the Almighty. He heard the angels singing, holy, holy, holy. I can imagine those words kind of shuddering through your spine. He felt the threshold and the doorpost of the building shake, it says. And he saw the room filled with smoke, with a cloud 
of God's glory. Once he had seen God as he truly is, then he was able to see himself as he truly was. Verse 5, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then, of course, in his vision, Isaiah sees a vision of redemption. Verse 6, then one of the angels flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Aren't you grateful that we serve a God of mercy and forgiveness? Here's a very important fact for you. Isaiah chapter 6. Okay, this, this revelation, this vision that Isaiah saw, this passage that we have just read is pre-cross and it's pre-resurrection. Do you know what? For you, it is not, woe is me. For you are not ruined. Because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, you are the redeemed of the Lord. You are robed in his righteousness. You have been adopted into his family. You see, unlike Isaiah, we are not looking forward to that prophetically. We are looking back on it as redemptive reality. And out of that, the, the power of Isaiah's encounter is that your identity is framed by what God has, past tense, done for you and given to you and spoken over you. And those should be the things that frame our identity and those should be the things that determine what we see when we look in our Christian mirror. You see, before this moment, Isaiah just didn't get it. He didn't really know who he was. He didn't really know what God was calling him to. But this revelation completely realigned his perspectives. So with that theory, if you like, underpinning it, here is, here is a pivotal question. As we head into 2023, looms large in front of us, how do you see yourself? And I put a list of words there in pairs on the screen, or at least Steve is. And the question is, which of these words would you use in self-description? Would you describe yourself as a sinner or a saint, a, a victim, or a conqueror. You might see a theme developing here. Do you see yourself as an outcast, or do you see yourself as a dearly loved son or daughter? Do you see yourself as a slave, captive? Do you see yourself as free? Do you see yourself as weak, 
or strong? Do you see yourself as a failure or a fruit bearer? Do you see yourself as a doubter or a believer? Here's the point. If you see yourself as any one of those, that will in turn lead the way you behave. So here's the question. As, as you start 2023, does your sense of identity need realigning? Has, has how you see yourself become distorted or contorted? Here, here's the, the picture. Steve, when, when you look in the mirror, do you see a kitten or do you see a lion? So I'm going to throw out a response on this one for you at the end of the service. That was the first one. The second one, and I don't know about you, but I found that these have blessed me this week and challenged me. So hopefully they, they speak to you too. The second one is, uh, in terms of, of what we need in terms of realignment, is, is humility versus pride. But this for me is, is, is about how you respond. You know, in the place of realignment, God is God and you are not. Anyone need any clarification? Well, I'm pretty confident that I don't need to spend time convincing you of that and all it entails. Knowing you as I do, I'm sure that that humble is your aim and that you love to be known for your humility. As Winston Church was reported to have described someone as a modest little person with much to be modest about. I have no problem aspiring to that. But even if that is the case, it's easy to drift, drift off course. It's easy for seeds of pride to start to take root. It's easy to try to slide your way back onto the throne. Excuse me, Lord. Excuse me, other side. So you know what, this is an area that, that I'm convinced we need to keep an eye on. For every now and again, we may well just need a little bit of realignment. So I'll go straight to the challenge here. Don't answer. Are you humble or are you proud? Perhaps you should ask your partner. They can tell you. When you are, when you are challenged or when you are confronted, do you go straight to, to the posture of humility or do you start climbing on your high horse? Which is your, your default response? What rises up inside of you? Put it like this. Are you, are you hungry to learn and grow? Well, have you arrived already? Or, or does it hurt to fall on your knees? Or have you recognized that to be the very, very best place that you can be? I spent a minute just reminding you of the theory. Pride, everybody, comes before what? A fall. 
Pride always leads you towards self-interest and self-preservation, self-promotion. The clue is the prefix self. If, you, if in your pride you dig in, that hole just gets deeper. Your pride will never take you where you want or need to go. Here's a verse, 1 Peter 5, verse 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor, gives grace to the humble. Next verse. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, hint, hint, that he may lift you up in due time. In other words, every time you resort to pride, what does it say? It says God opposes the proud. Every time you resort to pride, you're actually locking your, hat, your horns, as it were, with God. I'll give you a clue. That's never a smart play. The flip to that, of course, is that humility is graced. And we all need lots and lots of grace. So if you respond with, you respond out of humility, whatever the stimulus, open the door to grace. Just ask for a second, how practically do you do that? Firstly, be soft-hearted and not closed in resistance. I, I kind of picture that, that moment of kind of confrontation, conflict, you're put on the spot, someone's attacking you, threatening you, challenging you. How do you respond? What rises up? Is it, is it pride or is it humility? How do you do it practically? How do you practically act humbly in that situation? Number one, be soft-hearted and not closed and resistant. I wonder, at the turn of the year, would you consider yourself to be soft-hearted? We allowed yourself, maybe just an incy wincy tie little bit, to become closed, resistant. Secondly, how practically do that? Be open-handed, and not tight and defensive. How do you do that? Thirdly, ask questions rather than being being dogmatic and opinionated. And then fourthly, be prepared to yield. You know, the old line, joy, Jesus, others, yourself. Are you prepared in humility to put Jesus first? Are you prepared in humility to put others first, to defer to them, to yield to them, to believe the best in them? Because that's what humility does. And here's the point. Finish this one up. It's possible to drift. It's possible to slip to become a little hard-hearted, to become a little defensive, to become overly opinionated. In other words, to become a little proud. So the question is, at the start of 2023, do you need a little realigning tweak? And we'll give you the opportunity to do that in a minute. Okay, number three, last one. We should have more time to flesh this one out. This one's really meaningful, I think. You know, this is the, the place of realignment, what you find in the presence of God in your encounter with God. And number three is who is carrying whose 
burdens. Well, what battles do you fight? In Isaiah chapter 6, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Note here, who is doing the sending and whose bidding will they be carrying out as they go? Here's the realignment. It's easy to start to carry all the burdens. It's easy to to try to fight all the battles, to try to to lead the agenda and, and, and to direct the strategy and to make the big decisions. You know, that happens when we lose perspective and we forget who's sitting on the throne and we forget that the battle belongs to the Lord things get a little bit out of alignment, we start inadvertently sliding back on to the throne. This is why I said it's a little bit painful to give up that place, but it can be a great relief because the one on the throne, sitting on the throne, it's his battle, his burdens. He gets to lead. It's his agenda. He gets to make the decisions. I'm very happy to defer that to God. Scripturally, here's the good news. We just don't need to carry those heavy burdens anyway. Familiar scriptures, 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. You remember what David said to Goliath just before he killed him? 1 Samuel 17, 45. You come to me, he said, with a saw, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Verse 47. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. His line for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. And when the the Egyptian army closed in and surrounded the escaping Hebrews trapped on the shore of the Red Sea, Exodus 14, 13, Moses told the people, do not be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians will see today, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And as we read on, all Moses really had to do was to trust and obey. Verse 16, pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. So let me swing this back into your personal situation. As you look back on 2022, is there any chance that thing slipped a little bit out of alignment. I found this thought really helpful this week. 
Have you started trying to fight the battles yourself? Whose is the battle? The Lord's. Have you found yourself carrying all sorts of burdens on your shoulders? Maybe you've started setting the agenda. Maybe you've started trying to do it in your own strength, or dare I say, maybe even building your own kingdom. Now, these are difficult questions, but they're powerful questions, ultimately very liberating questions to ask. I'll ask them again. Have you started trying to fight the battles yourself? Have you found yourself? Are you right now carrying all sorts of burdens on your shoulders? If you are, then folks, you need a realignment. We need to remember who belongs on the throne. We need to remember what our part is in all of this. Okay, we're going to a response now. If the worship team would like to come forward, that would be thrilled. Thank you. Remember the question, what needs realigning? And I'm going to give you however long it takes. I can't see the clock perfect. So um, I'm going to give as long as it takes just to take these to the Lord. I've got three, one for each of the three points. You may want to just zero in on one. We're not in a hurry. What needs realigning in your life on January the 1st, 2023? First of all, is it your identity? And I was thinking about, remember that list of words that I put on the screen about 10, 15 minutes ago? But what I thought we, we should do here is, is I'd like you to ask the Lord for one word for you. I'll give you a clue. They were in pairs. The bad side and the hooray side. So my suggestion would be to pick one from the hooray side. Right? Maybe God wants you to know that you're a daughter of the king today. Maybe you need to learn that you're a, you're a fruit bearer, not a failure. Maybe... Maybe you need to recognize that in it, what, what does Romans say in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Maybe you see yourself as a victim and you've been behaving like a victim. What I'd like you to do is as we spend a bit of time, just the, the worship team will sing over you, ask the Lord for one word out of the scriptures and I'm going to suggest you make that your word for 2023. Saint conqueror, whatever it is on that list. Just the first conversation you can have with the Lord. The second one is, is humility. This one's really easy. I, I live, I just try to live in this place. I, I'd encourage you, we talked about, could we start 2023 with everything pointing in the right direction, remember? I would encourage you to start 2023 on your knees. I make a pledge to stay there. That's the humility one. And then the third one is this. It's the battles. Are you, are you fighting the right battles? Are you, are you trying to fight in your own strength? Have you lost sight of, of God's role in this and yours? I, I know, I know you guys, and I know in our family, right now we're fighting some battles. I, needed to, I need, have needed to remind myself this week whose battles they are and who does the fighting. 
That's why I read the David Goliath one. That's why I read the Moses, Egyptians, Hebrews one passages. So here's the challenge for you is, is have you started to fight battles that are not yours to fight? And then the, the flip, the, the, the addition to that is, is do you have any burdens that need lifting today? As I said, we tend to slip, we tend to drift, we start to pile them up, don't we? The concerns, the worries, the prayer list, the prayer list gets longer, the anxieties get greater. Maybe you need a bit of realignment. I found this one for me really, really helpful this week. The battle belongs to the Lord. Everything should be framed in that context. And so what I'm going to invite you to do as we worship for a little bit now is I'm going to invite you to just have those conversations with the Lord. 